0: Hello, brothers and sisters across the world, and welcome to the Book of Boredom podcast. My name is Paul, and I was born and raised a Mormon. Yes, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. And my good friend Patience here, we met in high school, and she was an evangelical. And despite our differences in Christian beliefs, we managed to become best friends and hang out a lot have a really good time, but of course, we always kind of had the elephant in the room that was the different beliefs, with myself wanting patients to come to my side, her wanting me to go to her side, and (laughs) constantly trying to convert and unconvert each other. During that process, no doubt, I invited my good friend to read the Book of Mormon, of course, because it is the only true, 100% true book on the face of the earth. (laughs) Extra truth in this one. I couldn't convince Patience to read this thing back in the day. I never understood it. So we thought, why don't we try it again now? Try to see if we can make any fucking sense of it at all. Patience is going to read and I'm going to comment on what I remember from what I learnt in Sunday school about the Book of Mormon and its history. And to try to help me to understand it a little bit more, I'm lubricating myself a little with some alcohol. It didn't make any sense at all when I was sober, so...
1: I reckon it's going to make more sense when you're a little bit tipsy.
0: I think so, I think so. The drunker you get, the more entertaining it is.
1: Probably the Bible would make more sense when you're tipsy too.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, we'll get into that. See, a lot of the Book of Mormon is plagiarized from sections of the Bible, so there's a lot of crossover.
1: Oh, what?
0: Oh, who'd have sunk it, huh?
1: You're shitting me! <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: never! So that's the premise of this show. We're going to go through this thing together and dissect it and try to understand it and see what we can come up with and have a bit of fun in the meantime. So to get started, patience, why don't we start with a little Q&A here? What do you want to know about this thing?
1: I want to know why people are so into it when it seems it's just fraud. As far as expanding Christian religious sects go, it's one of the bigger ones. It's got a lot of numbers. So what is it about this book brings the masses?
0: They will say in regards to you know a lot of people not believing it and the consensus being that it's bullshit, it's just Satan leading the children of men astray, twisted us and made it look like, a, like it's a lie. They claim they're the fastest growing religion in the world and have been claiming that for a long time. But you look at the numbers, they're actually not. They're going down. Their numbers are decreasing pretty rapidly at the moment. Oh, really? I didn't know that. If it wasn't for the fact that they were having so many goddamn children, they're not getting a lot of conversions. So statistics show that there's just as many Mormons leaving every year, if not more, than there are joining it.
1: I genuinely didn't know that.
0: We got that from me back in the day. I was probably telling you, oh, we're the fastest growing religion in the world because we're so true, man. Get on the bandwagon.
1: Well, it's something I've heard. Elsewhere as well. I don't know where, but I've heard it from more than just you.
0: I'm going to have to post show notes in this to back all this up because I know there's going to be some true believer Mormons that hear this and I go, (laughs) how dare you? Oh, my God. Speaking of links and show notes, we do have a Facebook page and a Patreon page. You want to tell us where we can find them? You've set them up. I haven't seen them yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't done anything with Patreon yet, but I intend to... If this goes well, I guess. But you can find it at Book of Boredom. So I guess it's patreon.com, Book of Boredom.
0: Whether or not this goes well, that's a pretty fucking big if. (laughs) (laughs) We've also got the Book of Boredom Facebook page where we'll promote each episode and and things we talk about as there will be lots of funny memes.
1: I even got the Twitter, but I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Yeah. Who
0: even uses Twitter these days? I mean,
1: hateful people. I think
0: they're not allowed on there anymore. Did you did you miss that? They're all gone.
1: Oh yeah, they got rid of one person.
0: There's a lot of people going. Well, now what do we talk about?
1: <laughs> uh, they'll still they'll still have their spills.
0: I've been on Twitter for years, but n- nobody ever follows what I post. So you are on Twitter. I asked. I would have followed you. Oh, okay. Oh, look, if anybody listening, I am PM Brown Nerd. The first
1: episode where Paul and Patience learn each other's social media
0: handles. We should have done that before. I don't say anything significant, but if I start getting followers that want to hear what I have to say, then I'll be happy to say it. Aim any hate mail towards me. <laughs> Send the fan mail to Patience, hate mail to me. I, I can take it.
1: <laughs> I actually had another question before you go on, Paul. You mentioned that Mormons have a shit ton of kids. What's that about?
0: Glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> No, as you will know, the first two commandments God gave Adam and Eve were one, don't eat the fruit. His next one was go forth and multiply and have those babies, damn it. Raise more and more Mormons and spread the word. Every religion does it, really. I mean, Catholics do it. Islam is into it. A few of the Protestant religions are the same. They're like, have lots and lots of babies so they can all believe in God and bring others to us. And they're muddy.
1: I don't know. Like, I think the Protestant denominations I was raised in didn't really have a hard push to have kids.
0: Most Protestants are a little bit different, I guess. It's mainly the older, more fundamental ones. Traditionally have been the, you know, get out and have heaps of kids, but even that's that the change a little bit now. Pretty much in Mormonism, you know, you get married and within the first couple of weeks people are like, oh, when are you going to have kids? <sighs> have a kid and it's like, oh, when are you going to have another kid? That must be so tiring. Yeah. It's still, it's a very patriarchal church and, you know, the woman's role is to raise Raise the kids and have the kids, and the dad's role is to support. That's and there's a lot. Don't have any other hobby.
1: Wow. Well. I think we can hear one that you made yourself earlier.
0: My daughter Lily in the background. I didn't realise she was going to have her say on our conversation. Appropriate time, Paul. She's very good with that. (laughs) All right, right. well, anyway, we've digressed to some other matters. How about we get into this book? All right. Ready for bedtime stories, Patience.
1: Oh, let me tell you a story, Paul.
0: Getting close to nap time. We're going to start with the very beginning of the book, we got the title pages and the little sort of blurb telling us what it's all about.
1: All righty. Title, The Book of Mormon, an account written by the hand of Mormon upon plates taken from the plates of Nephi. Sorry,
0: <laughs> Sorry got me already. I'm listening, I'm listening. Keep going.
1: Uh, author, anonymous. Translator, Joseph Smith, Jr. All right, next page. Oh, it's just saying the same stuff. Okay, I'll skip that. (laughs) It
0: it likes to repeat itself.
1: (laughs) All right, so first paragraph. Wherefore, it is an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi. Did I say that right?
0: You did. A lot of people say Nephi, but it's Nephi.
1: Do you mind if I say Nephi just to annoy everyone? Yeah, why not? Okay, cool. Wherefore, it is an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites, written to the Lamanites, who are a remnant of the house of Israel, and also to Jew and Gentile, written by way of commandment, and also by the spirit of prophecy and of revelation, written and sealed up and hid up unto the Lord, that they might not be destroyed, Two come forth by the gift and power of God, unto the interpretation thereof, sealed by the hand of Moroni, oh God, I have no idea what he's talking about, and hid up unto the Lord to come forth in due time by way of the Gentile, the interpretation thereof by the gift of God. Oh, Jesus Christ, that, that was all one sentence,
0: Paul. I do know, for, for a book that was inspired by God, nobody, like, did a grammar check.
1: Like he remembered stuff that he had to say as he was saying it. There's like six E.M. dashes. There's no full stops there except at the
0: end. Like a kid when they're telling a story, you know, it's like... I went out and played with my friends and then we went to the park and, and oh, oh and yeah, before we did that, we I remember we did this and, and, and then we went off and, and had milk and, oh, oh wait, and, yeah, and this. and that. that must be the level of English they were
1: teaching back in. When was it? When was this written?
0: This is in the early 1800s. When you get into the book itself, it was supposedly translated from a language known as Reformed Egyptian.
1: What does that mean?
0: It's a language nobody else has heard of, but it existed. It's translated into the language of the King James Bible, which was, of course, the Bible that was the most popular one in the 1800s. And it's like, why the fuck didn't he translate it into the English of the day? Why the oldie English style? His excuse was, that's what God will sound like when we talk to God in English. You know, it's more formal and upbeat and whatever, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> People could make the speculation that perhaps it
1: was plagiarized. I'm gonna go with the latter. I think he was I think he was trying to sound like he was being prophetic, but I, I just think he was making it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well it was pretty much he'd read the, the old King James Bible, that was the language of the scriptures, so that was the language he used.
1: An example that this is not inspired by God.
0: We're not off to a good start, I can tell that. Now, next paragraph, I can see there are a couple of commas.
1: Well, hopefully it's a bit better.
0: All right. Well, there's some form of grammar in this next paragraph, so far away. There's only
1: three EM dashes, so I've got hopes.
0: Just means an even longer fucking sentence.
1: <laughs> an abridgment taken from the book of Ether also, which is a record of the people of Jared, who were scattered at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people when they were building a tower to get to heaven. Which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel that great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, and they are not cast off forever. And also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the, hang on, I should yell these, he's capitalizing, hang on. And also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile that
0: Jesus is the Christ. There we go. The eternal God! Yeah, I didn't realise God was so shouty. Then again, I guess he's always in a bad mood, really, isn't he? So he probably was shouty.
1: I mean,
0: he, he is human, so obviously he is. What did she say? She said he created humans, so obviously he is. Very shouty.
1: Yeah, if humans are anything like the creator, God must be some real amazing specimen of horribleness. You haven't even finished this paragraph. Here we go. Manifesting himself unto all nations. EM dash. And now... If there are faults, they are the mistakes of men, semicolon, wherefore, comma, condemn not the things of God, comma, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment, hyphen, seat of Christ. Full stop. There you go.
0: <laughs> okay. Is this making any more sense to you whatsoever now?
1: I have absolutely no idea. like word salad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just a word salad. Chop them all up, throw them in together, see what you can come up with. <laughs> Now now we've established that that doesn't really help us any. Shall I keep reading? Yeah, let, let's go through this. The introduction next. Let's see if the introduction gives us a better idea of, of, of what's going on here. <laughs> all
1: right. Translated by Joseph Smith, Jun, full stop. I guess that means junior.
0: Junior, yeah.
1: The testimony of three witnesses. Be it known unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, unto whom this work shall come that we through the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ have seen the plates which contain this record, which is a record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites, their brethren, and also of the people of Jared, who came from the tower of which hath been spoken, and we also know that they have been translated by the gift and power of God. For his voice hath declared it unto us, wherefore we know of a surety that the work is true. Jesus Christ.
0: Jesus approves. Keep reading.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we also testify that We have seen the engravings which are upon the plates, and they have been shown unto us by the power of God, and not of man. And we declare with words of soberness that an angel of God came down from heaven, and he brought and laid before our eyes that we beheld and saw the plates, and the engravings thereon, and... We know that it is by the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ that we beheld and bear record that these things are true. Oh, my God. That sentence is insane. Five lines long, and it's just... All right, come on, you're nearly there. I'm coming. I'm coming. All right. So, and... It is marvelous in our eyes. Nevertheless, the voice of the Lord commanded us that we should bear record of it. Wherefore, to be obedient unto the commandments of God, we bear testimony of these things, and we know. That if we are faithful in Christ, we shall rid our garments of the blood of all men and be found spotless before the judgment seat of Christ and shall dwell with him eternally in the heavens. And the honor be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, which is one God. Amen.
0: Okay, now, did that make any sense?
1: No, that's just... (laughs) What's this bit about the blood of all men on their garments? What the fuck is that about?
0: Okay, okay, what they're saying there is we've told you it's true, so if you don't believe it, that shit's on you, not on us. All right, so the backstory here, because people are probably thinking, what well, what's going on, okay? So you've probably heard about the gold plates thing.
1: Are they real plates somewhere, Paul? Like, are they actually, like, in some museum or something?
0: No. What? Okay, so here's the story. In the mid-1820s, okay, Joseph Smith makes the claim that he has found these plates of gold engraved with reformed Egyptian on them that only he has the power to translate and he translates them into the Book of Mormon because God told him to. (laughs) Mm. Now, if anything, actually, they should have had the Joseph Smith story before the Witnesses story because, yeah, if you're reading this for the first time, you think, what are these guys talking about? When you read the next couple of pages where it has Joseph Smith telling his story, although it's all bullshit, it makes this earlier stuff make a bit more sense. The story is that, yeah, Joseph had these plates and these three guys, according to this, saw them and touched them and and held them and everything like that, okay? Incidentally, this is topical right now because I've just seen some previews. Some people in the Mormon church have made a movie now called Witnesses, which is about these three guys. (laughs) I don't know if I want to watch it or not, but uh, I can tell you just from the previews, even according to the Mormon history, it doesn't look too accurate as to what allegedly happened. Do you feel a little bit triggered? When uh, I, I don't get triggered, I get human. <laughs> makes me laugh. Okay, so the irony, though, but behind this, okay, and, and to build a bit of a timeline, okay, is the three men whose names you just read that supposedly wrote this paragraph never actually signed any document with that on it. Oh. But... That wasn't added to the book until after Joseph Smith was dead and all of of the Mormons had moved to Utah. And so none of those men actually signed a document saying that's what happened. And all three of them ended up leaving the church and, you know, saying that it was all bullshit and Joseph Smith was a fraud. And it still
1: says that, like, in modern versions of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that hasn't changed. It's still there. But
1: that's just fraud. They've, they've recanted. That is horseshit.
0: But, but who's going to take them to court for it now, you know? Is zombie Oliver Cowdery going to come back and be like, take them now!
1: <laughs> zombie Oliver Cowdery.
0: He'll be back. But yeah, Martin Harris, the going on there, he joined so many different cults during his life. Really? Before and after the Mormon thing, yeah. He... He was in the Quakers. He was in some other ones. Basically, any crazy person that came up and said he was a prophet, Martin Harris was like, I believe you. Here's some money. Well, we us as well move on to the next one because there's eight more people that apparently saw this shit. All right.
1: So the testimony of the eight witnesses. Be it known unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, unto whom this work shall come, that Joseph Smith, Jr., the translator of this work, has shown unto us the plates which hath been spoken which have the appearance of gold and as many of the leaves as the said smith has translated we did handle with our hands they didn't handle it with their feet or their genitals
0: be more believable yeah they really fucked us with i mean i could tell somebody that i held something with my hands and that's one thing but to say i rub my dick across it i wonder if (laughs) they hold up in court i only held it i slapped it with my dick Uh, one of those two things is real (laughs)
1: Translated, we did handle with our hands.
0: Their hands got their penises. Keep going.
1: All of which has the appearance of ancient work and of curious workmanship. Well, I guess they were experts, right? What a crock.
0: They're not really giving any specifics, are they? They're like curious. It look kind of strange and weird. I mean, it could be fucking anything. The appearance of ancient work. What was this? Indiana Jones? Hey, hey don't bring Indy into this. Okay? <laughs> They're making an Indiana Jones five. Indiana oh, okay. Jones and the Search for the Golden Plates. You going to watch it, yeah? Of course, I am going to watch it. That's, that shit's awesome. <laughs> I yeah,
1: I'll probably watch it too.
0: Tell one thing will be more believable than this goddamn book we're trying to read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. So, and this we bear record with words of soberness that the said Smith has shown unto us, for we have seen and hefted, and know of a surety. That the said Smith has got the plates of which we have spoken. We give our names unto the world to witness unto the world that which we have seen. Hang on, did they just say unto the world twice? They
0: did! Just in case there's another backup world. Got to re emphasise the worldliness.
1: (laughs) Belie not God bearing witness of it. (laughs) Hurrah! Christian Whitmer, Jacob Whitmer, Peter Whitmer Jr., John Whitmer. Wow, that's all one family. Then we've got Joseph Smith Sr., Hiram Smith, Samuel H. Smith. So, they got two families and one ring in there.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Imagine being the, the Hiram page in this whole thing, you know? It's like the odd one out, no matter which way you turn. Poor bloke. I'm not a Smith, I'm not a Whitmer, I'm just kind of here to make up numbers because they didn't have any more brothers to use. So, Hiram's a man's name, is it? Uh, yeah, it's all men. You couldn't have women witness this stuff. What are you? You know, are you crazy? That the women were too busy looking after the babies, man. That, that, this is men's stuff here, okay? I wonder if the women's bullshit meter would have triggered hearing some of this
1: stuff so they had.
0: Had to keep <laughs> well, well, actually, interesting enough, when you read the history, it was all of the wives that were asking the question. <laughs> None of the men were asking the questions. Their wives were all like, Ah, uh, are you sure you know what you're doing here? You and Joseph finished in the shed today staring into the hat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the hat. This is something we need to discuss because we're about to get to the testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Okay, which is three pages long. I don't know if we have the energy to soldier through that tonight <laughs> or whether we leave that for the next episode. Are you up to it? Can you, can you handle another three pages of this?
1: Oh, I, I can handle it, but it looks like what I've got is just sort of saying the first book of Nephi. You
0: don't have the explanation part or the testimony of joseph smith in yours
1: i think i've got a really old version
0: either that or a new version of they've cut out all that shit. i'm looking at a pdf version which resembles what i remember okay all right well let me sum up the joseph smith testimony on your behalf i'll give you the official mormon missionary version okay the version that i sadly taught people and told people was true okay well so bear with me as i'm about to Lay on to you a story of truth. Lay one on me, Paul. The story goes, there's this 14-year-old kid, Joseph Smith, okay? He's growing up in New York, America, and he's a little bit confused. He wants to know which church is God's church, which church is true, because there's so many churches out there saying, this is the true church, this is the true church. And so he's challenged to read the book of John where it says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God, and God will answer you. He then strolls off into a local little forest, which they called a grove of trees, where he knelt down to pray and asked God, which church should I join? It's a noble endeavor. Anybody that's curious about religion has a thought of, well, let's ask God and see what he has to say. But what he claims happened next was a little bit different. He says, God and Jesus, they came to him personally, and they said to him that none of these churches were true and he shouldn't join any of them. And that in a few years' time, he will be given further instruction because he has been chosen to start their one and only true church.
1: This all happened when he was... 14 years old. Right. And what was this... What was he doing in the forest?
0: He wanted a little quiet zone away from everybody else so that, you know, these things could happen without any witnesses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he went in there. And the Mormons now own that patch of forest and everything as well. They call it the Sacred Grove.
1: I bet he wasn't even walking through the forest when he was 14. He was probably chasing girls or something like that.
0: No, this is the 1820s. Girls went around. They're too busy chasing after livestock. <laughs> anyway, so a few years goes by after this, okay? As he becomes a young adult, he becomes known for being a bit of a charlatan, a bit of a liar. Claimed he had these stones that helped him find hidden treasure. And he even had to go to court on charges of fraud. Yeah, and this is a man, you know, late teens, early 20s. He was learning all this shit pretty quick. Then... On the evening of 21st of September, 1823, he decided he'd better find out, you know, what this whole message from God thing was all about. You know, what, what does he need to do? So he says a prayer and asks God for guidance as to what to do next. And then what he describes as a personage appears in his room. An angel. Now, the interesting thing here, of course, is, you know, farm communities in the 1800s Entire families all slept in, like, the one room. Wasn't that, like, now where there's a mum and dad have their room, the kids have a room, everybody's in the one big room. An angel comes in, nobody else notices it. I mean, are you a deep sleeper?
1: I am not a deep sleeper, and I live in, like, a shoebox apartment, so if an angel showed up in any corner, I'd fucking see it.
0: And it's funny because all the Mormon artist depictions of this event show him in a room on his own with his angel. But, no, his whole family was in the same damn room, you know, and... Obviously, very deep sleepers because, you know, yeah, for me, I'm a deep sleeper, but a bright white light comes into my room and a dude starts talking. I think I'm going to wake up. (laughs) So anyway, this angel that comes down was the angel Moroni. Is that pasta?
1: Or like...
0: uh... That would work, actually. Some Moroni bolognese, a little bit of herbs. Where's Gordon Ramsay? He'll be all over that. (laughs) So anyway, so he comes down and he says to Joseph, hey, dude, God's got a job for you. In a hill not far from here, there is a stone box buried in the hill that's got some gold plates and some other stuff in it. So go and check it out. That's the gist of what he says. Obviously, I'm modernizing the language a little bit. So Joseph Smith goes off the next day, finds this hill, and boom, mysteriously he sees a big, huge boulder. So he gets a stick, leverages it off, and there's the stone box, and in there is this stuff. And he goes to touch it, and Moroni comes back. All of a sudden, and he's like, nope, nope, you can't touch it yet. Just look. Oh. Don't touch it. Can't touch (laughs) this. So anyways, so he tells Joseph it's not quite time yet, but, you know, come back on this exact same time next year. So, okay, Joseph does his other fraudulent stuff in the meantime. Comes back a year later, opens it again. Moroni comes back. He's like, okay, okay. Once again, just look, but you're not ready yet. Come back in another year. The hell? Mate, I didn't write this shit. Don't ask me. I'm just telling you the story. So Moroni
1: shows him where the box is and then says, come back in a year, and then does it again. Yeah,
0: yeah, pretty much. Did he tell anyone else about this at this time? He mentioned it to his family, but that was about it. And they believed him? Well, I guess, yeah. They must have known he was a bit slippery. So far finding his buried treasure again. Go Off you go, Joe, have some fun. So anyway, the third year, he's finally allowed to take the stuff out of this box. And he's told to guard it with his life, and it's the most important thing ever, and that's the gold plates. But then also in there is a sword, which belonged to a man called Laban, who we will read about in the first few chapters of Nephi. And there was also this thing which was called the Urim and Thummim. And so the official story is that Joseph Smith used that to translate the Book of Mormon, that, you know, these glasses on the breastplate, Turn the words into ye olde King James Bible language English, okay? He was sat there, he had a scribe next to him, which for most of it was his wife, for some of it was Oliver Cowdery, He was one of the witnesses, and Joseph would just sit there and read, and they would sit down and write what he said. And that was supposedly how they translated it. Before he came out with the Book of Mormon story, one of the things he was in trouble for was he was a treasure digger, claimed to have these magic stones that helped him find treasure. According to Oliver Cowdery, who was his scribe for much of the Book of Mormon, Joseph never actually had the plates with him. He was looking into a hat and reading out of that, which again has people thinking, well, where is this book that you're talking about, buddy? What's going on? So anyways, they translate the whole thing. It takes them a while because, you know, they've got to move around and, you know, his story's getting out there and people are starting to chase him and that sort of stuff, apparently. After a while, he finishes it. And then because God works in mysterious ways and he wants us to have faith...
1: Oh, you've got to
0: have faith, Paul. Couldn't let anybody else see these plates, so Moroni comes down and takes them away with him. Here's the weird thing. Moroni <laughs> buried them in a where they sat for about 1800 or so years in the side of this hill. And when he's all finished, it's like, did you see uh, the rise of Skywalker? But, but basically, two of the Jedi are able to transport lightsabers from one location to another, you know, like using the Force. Morana comes, gets the plates, and he goes up to heaven with them and uses the Force to take them away. And he got me thinking, well, hang on, why did you need to bury the damn things in the hill then? Why didn't you just come down with them from heaven and say, here they are? Nobody's ever found the mysterious stone box... Nobody has seen the actual plates. Some people have seen scribe things that they believe are from the plates, but nobody's actually seen them. Because, of course, if they kept them here in a museum, where's the faith in that, you know? The, the non-believers could look at it and translate it and say, no, that's not what it says, and the believers wouldn't have to believe because it's there. You know, God likes to mess with us like that. He only had probably the equivalent of a fourth-grade education. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of the Mormons claim, you know, there's no way he could have made this up because he wasn't educated enough. So they actually right? see that, it, that as proof. That's so brain-damaged, Paul. Ashamed to say it. That's what I used to say. People would be like, how could this farm boy do this? I'm like, well, it was only because he had the spirit and the power of God behind him that he could do this. And as you read it and you go through, you realise he, he pretty much just plagiarised it because he did have the King James Version of the Bible there with him. So the whole thing is written in that language. Large sections of the Book of Mormon are straight up copied, even by his own admission. There's a section in there where he quotes nearly the entire Book of Isaiah. He didn't have a big education, but he did know the Bible because he would have read it every day of his life. He'd been to churches. He'd heard various religious theories and philosophies and ideas. A lot of the ideas he came up with, the doctrines he taught, he wasn't the first person to to have this stuff. He'd learned it from other preachers around New York. He just kind of amalgamated all this shit in together. You know, Mormon's like, oh, isn't it amazing he came up with this idea and that idea and that idea. It's like, no, other people around there were doing the same thing at the same time. Okay, so the story is the people of Nephi were in the Middle East. They were descendants of one of the tribes of Israel. They collected a whole bunch of remnants from where they live, some other plates, some swords, the human thumb now. So about 600 BC Nephi and his family sail across from the Middle East to America on some boats.
1: Wow. No one at that point was making journeys by sea
0: that far. No and we're getting the, there are so many plot holes and historical errors that we'll uh, we'll cover as we go. So the interesting thing, and we'll talk about this later as well, is that the Nephites are the ancestors of the Native Americans. So in order to try to prove the Book of Mormon, a guy I know who's a geneticist traced the DNA, and he found that Native Americans actually settled in America thousands of years earlier by walking north from Asia, sort of across Russia into Northern America. And so, yeah, the Native Americans are descendants of North Asians, not people from the Middle East. Oh, who the fuck well, I don't know about you, but I think I've had enough of this damn book already tonight.
1: Sweated my appetite. I'm, I'm curious to see just how crazy it's going to yeah. get.
0: All right, and for anyone at home that is still listening, we do want to try to make this amusing for you. So bear with us on this as we find our way through this crazy book and find our feet with making this podcast. If you have any feedback, anything you want to say, anything you want to know, go to the Facebook page of <laughs> Boredom and give us your thoughts, and we'll be on there when this podcast goes to air. And hopefully, we can make this fun and interactive. And if any of you. Want to share this with your friends? (laughs) This is totally the Mormon proselyting now. If you would like your friends to know more about the Book of Mormon, then please have them listen to this podcast. Yes, don't read it on your own. We're reading it for you so you don't have to, okay? This is a community, (laughs) service. I love it. Just as the Mormons would say, read this book and pray about it, and God will tell you that it's true. Listen to us, read it, and laugh about it. That's the way. All I can say is, even with the assistance of alcohol, it's... Still on making sense. Let's wrap this up for this week. Patience, thank you as always for coming on this journey with me. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. You may now return to the kitchen because that's what God intended. Let me go and uh, not do that. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll let you off this. Way. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Thank you, Brother Paul. Alright. And until next week, everybody. Bye!